0: I don't have to put on a persona. I don't have to wake up and go like, okay, I, this is how I'm supposed to act. No, if you just be who you are, people respond to that.
1: I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to 9 to 5-ish with The Skin.
2: We've run into so many questions over the years and had so many moments where we needed advice. And we got it from women who'd been there. And that's what we're bringing you
1: with this show. Each week, we're helping you get what you want out of your career by talking to the
2: smartest leaders we know. Because we know your work life is a lot more than nine to five. All right, let's get into it. Today, our guest is Robin Roberts. You know her as the co-anchor of Good Morning America, a job she's had for over 15 years. In the anchor chair, Robin has covered some of the biggest events and stories of our time from Hurricane Katrina to the Oscars to presidential elections. And Robin's been in the Disney family for more than 30 years, first joining the company as a sportscaster on ESPN. She's won a number of awards throughout her career, including a Peabody, a Walter Cronkite Award, the Arthur Ashe Courage Award, just to name a few. In addition to her day job, Robin's also written multiple books. Her latest is out now called Brighter by the Day. And perhaps most importantly, Robin was a state bowling champion at age 12. Robin, (laughs) welcome to 9 to 5-ish.
1: Thank you
0: for ending on the state bowling championship. Thanks. Of all the accolades, that is the one that warms my heart.
1: It's important to end on the
2: most important one. (laughs) I feel like it sets the uh, the stage well, you know, like you were a high achiever at 12.
0: You know, I just, I went for it. Because at the age of 12, living in Mississippi, at my age, that was the only sport they would let girls participate in at that
1: time. So I
0: said, okay, if that's the only one you're gonna let me do, I'm gonna try to be my absolute best.
1: Well, we are very proud to have this state champion bowler on the show. First (laughs) time. So we are gonna jump into it with our lightning round. Are you ready? Oh, let's do it. Quick questions, quick answers. Okay. Are you a morning person?
0: Yes, except for last night, because there was a basketball game on and I wanted to watch
2: it. But normally in morning. What time do you wake up? 3.45 a.m. So I would argue, is that a morning person? Yes. Or is that like a night out? I mean, who knows? <laughs> yeah.
0: M- middle of the night person. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I've been thinking about this. So I've been going Good Morning America for umpteen years. All right. I started my career in college. In addition to going to class at Southeastern Louisiana University, I had a morning show. Did a morning show in Nashville, in Atlanta, and at ESPN. So I better be a morning person.
1: If there was a movie about your life, who would play you?
0: Halle Berry. Yes. I, uh, uh, Ariana
2: DeBose. Ooh, Ariana DeBose. You're trading them out. I feel like Either one is good. Yes,
0: you. yes, I
2: I I'm training them out. Do you have any hobbies or skills that we can't Google?
0: Oh my gosh. You should see me with Angry Birds. I mean that <laughs> is a skill set, I have to say.
1: <laughs> I just like wasn't expecting that to be your answer. Yeah. Complete this <laughs> sentence. Which Uh-oh. best describes your workday, working nine till Nine
0: till, nine till, nine till, nine till. And there, you, you cannot put any number after till. It's endless.
2: <laughs> What's the last show you binge watch?
0: Last show, I Hacks. Oh, I love Hacks. I was on a flight. I know I'm late. Oh my gosh, it is so good.
1: So good.
0: And I was, I was late to the game with that, but oh my gosh. So I loved it. loved it, her. loved it, loved yeah. it. Didn't want the plane to land.
1: Last question. If you could have any meal anywhere right now, what would it be? And where would you be?
0: It would be in Key West, almost any restaurant in Key West. I get in trouble. In fact, somebody just today said they're going to Key West and they wanted uh, restaurant recommendations. And it was like two pages long.
1: I was there in February and I just had amazing key lime pie. I think I had like mm. six pieces of pie in like 12 hours. It was great.
0: And not all key lime pies are the same. I, don't I know there's the, the meringue. meringue. T- okay.
1: Well, actually, this yeah. is the okay. last question. Are you key okay. lime pie with meringue or key lime pie with whipped cream?
2: Oh, uh, whipped cream. Me too. The meringue Whip just cream. takes away. Yeah. See there? I have one more question. Who's someone you haven't (laughs) interviewed
0: yet that you want to interview? Oh, gosh. They're no longer with us. But Nelson Mandela was a person I really, really, really wanted to to interview because I felt that he was about reconciliation, not retaliation. And um, he was just just somebody I just really admired.
1: That's a good one. All right. We are going to move into the meat of our interview. So we so far in this show have talked about Robin as a child bowler. Sham. Sham. Yep, right. But I want to know, what else were you like as a child? Just take us, take us back. Oh. What, were, what were you like as a kid? What was your childhood?
0: I'm just curious. That's, that was my childhood. We moved to, my father was in the Air Force, which was great. Proud military brat right here. And we moved to Izmir, Turkey. I was, I was about six years old. And it was such an adventure. And I just loved that my mom and dad, we wouldn't live on a military base when we lived abroad. We would get an apartment and we'd have to learn the customs and had Turkish neighbors. And that's how I think of my childhood as just being curious and wanting to know more uh, about other people. I was pigtailed, big eyes, and just thought anything and everything was possible. But I am the proud product of Lawrence and Lucy Marion Roberts, my mom and dad. I blow two kisses when I step into the studio every morning, heavenly toward them. And just so grateful that um, they really instilled a really strong foundation with me. I had a really fun childhood. It was an adventure every step of the way. And I'm so grateful for it.
2: I love that. And I mean, it's really interesting that you guys rented an apartment, had that experience. You're talking about your parents. What were their expectations like or what are some of the things they instilled in you?
0: That's a really good question. You know, I'm the youngest of four. benefited from having two older sisters and an older brother. And they wanted, my mom and dad wanted, each of us to be responsible, grow to be responsible adults. They didn't care how much money we made, how much influence we had. They really wanted us to be of service to others. And I, I've said this lately, and this is what they would say to each of us. We're a, a limited edition. There's nobody else like us. We're a limited edition with unlimited possibilities, not unlimited potential. I know people use that word potential. When I when you say that, it's like, oh, I mean, I'm not doing anything really right now. I have the potential to do something great, but the possibilities are, are endless. And, and that's something that they taught me.
1: You made a name for yourself in sports. That was how people yep. started to know who you were. And then you transitioned to news. And you also transitioned from more of a local market to much more of a national one. I want you to like, just talk about kind of taking a step back, what it was like to leave your comfort zone and, and Ugh. get out of what you knew into something that was a big opportunity, but really just unfamiliar.
0: It was scary. There's a reason why they call it your comfort zone and sports is, is my comfort zone. I grew up playing. Uh, did we mention I was a bowling champ? Oh yeah. No, we did I don't think times. we mentioned on the yeah, show. No, no, don't. No. But um, it was just comfortable for me. When I was working in local markets, starting off in sports, it just came naturally to me. I had a natural interest. People knew me for my sports background, so I had built-in credibility. But then to make that transition to news, that four-letter word, the EWS news, it wasn't anything I had on my whiteboard as a kid. And it was a friend of mine, Billy Jean King, the Billie Jean King. We became friends over the years. And I remember when I was getting these opportunities to move into news, and in particular with Good Morning America, and I was hesitant. And I said to her, you know, I've got this great chance. And I thought she would say, no, you've got to stay in sports for us. You know, us women, you got to And she said just the opposite. She's like, "What? Are you, you're scared. You know, you can take us with you. It's a, it's a bigger platform. And um, I'm so grateful. The things I've been able to do At Good Morning America and in the news division, never would have happened had I stayed in sports. I just really, really am just abundantly blessed in so many ways.
2: I want to talk about one of the pivotal moments in in that transition to news. It came during Hurricane Katrina and you flew down to the Gulf Coast where you're from. Tell us about covering that.
0: Wow. I had just become the co-anchor with the Diane Sawyer and the Charlie Gibson. I'm sitting next to them as the third co-anchor. And I'm having, as many women we do, the imposter syndrome. Like, how did I get here? Am I supposed to be here? Why did I leave sports? And Hurricane Katrina hit the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And that is where, as you said, that's where I'm from. And if you remember, when we initially were reporting on the storm, it didn't seem like it was that bad. It seemed like maybe we had dodged a bullet. And later in the day, we realized how bad it was. And I had lost contact with my family, which was normal, Growing up on the Gulf Coast and being a part of storms, I wasn't too alarmed, but I was concerned that I hadn't heard from my family. My father had passed away shortly before that, and my mother was too ill at the time to evacuate. So she stayed, and my one sister and her children stayed with my mom in Biloxi, Mississippi. So I lost contact. I'm asked by ABC later that day to fly down to uh, the Gulf Coast. And I, I was like, uh, sure, I'm, gonna, I'm going down to find my mama. You think I'm going down there to the report? <laughs> Thanks for the ride. And I, we made it down to Lafayette, Louisiana, and then drove all night long to get to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And being from that area, I could see with my own eyes, man, the destruction was unlike anything that we had been reporting. And we made it to the Gulf Coast, and there was a blockade, and they weren't going to let anybody go through. And I poked my head out of the van, and the police officer recognized me not as Robin Roberts of Good Morning America, but Robin Roberts of the Mississippi Gulf Coast, the daughter of Lawrence and Lucy Marion. And he said, you can go. And so he led us through the blockade. I had my producer set up for the live shot, and I said, I can't go on live television until I know— my family is safe. And another police officer got me to my mother's home. Thankfully, they were okay. And I just wanted to stay there with them. And my mother was the one who pushed me out the door and said, no, go back, report, let people know what's going on here. So I get back to the live shot just in time. And I, you know, I I button up and I get the the nuts and bolts report. This is the situation here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Back to you, Charlie and Diane. And it was Charlie who said at the end of the report, Robin, when you left here, you hadn't made contact with your family. Were you able to do so? And I'm telling you, you two, I just ugly cried. I was bawling like you could not believe. I um, in part, because of gratitude that my family was safe, but also knowing that there were people tuning in that morning who felt like I had, not knowing about the condition of their loved ones. And I thought I was going to be fired on the spot. You don't cry on national TV like that. And just the opposite happened. People appreciated my authenticity. I was in the moment and I was just sharing what I was feeling. And I was so grateful that The audience responded with donations to that area and really was able to be a platform for people to reach out and help like they wanted to. But that was a real turning point for me. That's when I realized I looked up to the heavens and said, this is why I made this transition outside of my comfort zone, to be able to have an opportunity to do even greater good.
1: It's an amazing story. You know, as you're talking about it, I'm like reflecting on how much you had this moment of like, you're doing your job, you're delivering the news, but then you also had this moment of like really opening up to your audience and, and sharing a very personal weight that was sitting with you. And, you know, maybe your emotional reaction surprised you, but I'm sure that brought comfort to people at home as well. There are other times That you have also let people into what you were going through. You've been really open about your battle in the past with breast cancer and also a rare blood disorder called MDS. First of all, Robin, how are you feeling today? How are you?
0: (laughs) Oh, thank you for asking. I'm I'm doing doing very well. And you know what? I don't know if I would have shared as much about my health journey had it not been for that moment in 2005 with Katrina and realizing that people they crave authenticity. And I, and I think because of that, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer two years later in 2007, it was my dear mama who said, make your mess your message. You've got great health care. You've got a good job. You're not going to lose your job. You have loved ones who are going to support you. There are people who don't have those resources. Be their voice. Share with people what it's like to, to live with cancer to get up and go to work if you're able, to show what it's like to, to lose your hair and going through chemotherapy and all of those things. I really feel because of what happened in 2005, it just taught me I don't have to put on a persona. I don't, I don't have to wake up and go like, okay, I, this is how I'm supposed to act. No, if you just be who you are, people respond to
1: that. I want to actually like pause on that, that like, it takes this weight off of like just letting you be you, because I think no matter who you are, whether or not you're on morning television or not, we all go through stuff, Yep. whether it's a health scare, whether it's something happening with your family, we've all been through different things. And I think one of the things that, you know, we've personally experienced, we've talked with our friends, we've talked to some of our employees is I don't want people at work to know. I don't want anybody to be able to tell. And I think there's some gender aspects to that for sure, but it's also, there's a, a fear, like an unspoken fear. And I'm curious, like if you could reflect on that, you know, just off camera, what it was like for people when you were just like in the newsroom, getting in at, you know, four in the morning, what was it like for you to have people know that you were struggling?
0: Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. My dear friend, Diane Sawyer, did not want me to go public with my diagnosis. She was like, Robin, this might put additional pressure on you. There are going to be people that are going to be constantly reaching out, and you need to just focus on being well. You just need to focus on your treatment. But I'll say this, vulnerability is a strength. It's not a weakness. Just think about those times when you've uh, seen people be vulnerable and how you're drawn to that and how you're more empathetic than if they're putting on a facade and trying to be something that they're not. For instance, um, my longtime partner, Amber, is currently going through breast cancer, and she did not want to go public for the longest time. And it's, you know what, it is, it is a personal choice what to share and how much to share, but she did not want to for a period of time. And then when she started her treatment and knew that I was going to be missing work a lot and that people would, would think, oh, is, am I ill again? She was ready to share. And once she did and allowed me to do that, A weight was off of her shoulders because it's not like she was hiding what she was going through and and, and is going through, but there's something about when you just pull back the curtain and let people in. And it's returned to you tenfold. My motivation was not to be helped, but to help. But I was the one helped in return by sharing so much.
2: I think listening to you, there's obviously a sense, huge sense of positivity and optimism it's no surprise then that your new book is called Brighter by the Day. Where do you, not only where does that come from, but how do you keep it up? that's what I write about because I put principles
0: into practice. I show people how to put a principle into practice by things that I have uh, have gone through and what I think could help them. Because as you alluded to, everybody's got something, whether it's a health concern, unemployment, divorce, everybody's got something. And that something is not the tragedy, if you will. It's if you don't take the time to understand why was it placed in my path What am I supposed to learn? There's a lesson I'm supposed to learn here. And more importantly, a lesson I'm supposed to share. Look, I have my bad days and I have learned in recent years to recognize those down times, not to try to push them away, and to acknowledge them as much as I acknowledge the joy. And I have found that because I've gotten in the habit of being optimistic, when it becomes a habit for you, it's your fallback. And uh, I've often said, optimism is just like a muscle that gets stronger with use. You've got to get in the habit of it. I just didn't happen to be the the state bowling champion at 12. I worked at it. I practiced. And it's the same way with optimism. It's the same way. (laughs) What's the over and under and how many times you're going to refer to my my state championship (laughs) at the age (laughs) of 12. But it's true. It's just like everything boils down to choice. I choose to find the good. I choose to spot the silver linings. It's my default mode. And I'm not Pollyanna. The reason I'm hesitating, because I don't want people to think that I'm like, oh, the world is made of marshmallows.
1: Were you always like that? For as long as I can
0: remember... Um, And I think a lot of it had to do, that's why I think everyone, especially young girls, should participate in sports. I learned so much about myself. I learned what it feels like to lose a game or to lose a match or how to deal with that. We're going to have as many losses in our lives as we're going to have wins. So how do you handle that? What do you learn from that? I think because playing sports, it, it it helped me to be optimistic. Okay, we might lose a game, but we can still win the championship. I might lose the set, but I can still win the match in tennis. And that's really, it's really served me well to have that kind of mindset.
2: I really like how you put that in perspective, because the one thing I would say that comes across very clear, and I was trying to figure this out, is you don't sound Pollyanna. Thank like you. There are a lot of times when there are these super optimistic people, and it's like, I kind of want to like hate them a little bit and your, your approach is very refreshing and it is that authenticity this is danielle's way of saying we wish you well yeah no i'm a fan that's funny it's my way of saying i'm a big fan you two are great
0: first of all you guys are great can i just can i just decide um my my little tribe was so excited that i was going to do your podcast oh you have a huge following thank you yeah and I I just I just had to get that in there so now I know
2: why oh that's so nice okay so we've got two questions I want to make sure we get to the first is we have a listener question from Margo okay and Margo wants to know your colleagues and co-anchors have all credited you as a source of inspiration as a mentor and as a friend what kind of relationships do you try to build in the workplace and how do you support the people around you
0: Margot, boy, you got some good listeners. That's a good one. Um, gosh, uh, and, and it's it's changed over time as I've become the matriarch. The old—it's a, a fancy way of saying old. Er, I know how scary it is. I, I know, especially for younger colleagues who are 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 in this business how intimidating it can be at times and how we're very much in the public's eye and and now with social media, people can say uh, anything about us. So I listen. I don't just talk to them. I listen. People, I don't feel do that enough. You know, sometimes you say to a colleague, you say morning, not even good morning, this morning as you're passing, but I make a point to actually stop, stop, look at them, listen to them and reassure them, be a cheerleader for them. But to be real with them also, especially the young ones, they love to be critiqued. They want feedback. Sometimes it's like you're in a silo so many times. And so to be able to really just counsel and to just be someone that they know that they can count on and that I'll be real with them and I'll give them uh, honest feedback. And sometimes just a hug. Can you say it? Yeah, I break it. I break that six feet. Yeah, I just. (laughs) it was hard. It's hard. It was hard these last couple of years. I'm Southern. We hug. We hug. Okay. Last,
2: last question. You mentioned your tribe. Someone else we should have on the show.
0: Oh gosh. Jennifer Garner. Get Jennifer Garner. You would love having her and she would love being on your show. Hey, tell her Robin sent you. Okay, well, I know, I know you both will. We we absolutely (laughs) will
1: right now. (laughs) Um, Robin, thank you so much. And we're glad you're feeling good and sending our best to Amber.
0: Bless you both.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of 9 to 5-ish with The Skim. A new episode will be in your feed again next Wednesday. In the meantime, check out our news podcast,
1: Skim This. Every Thursday, we cover what you need to know each week in 30 minutes
2: or less. And we've also got another podcast, Pop Cultured with the Skin, where each week we're covering the pop culture moment everyone's talking about. New episodes drop every Tuesday.